How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric Podcast. You're listening to part one of five of our Employee Supremacy Series with Michael Ashford and Andy Alsop. Well, Andy, uh, if anybody's listened to this podcast over the years, they know we like to talk about Simon Sinek. (laughs) And so we're going to do a little bit more of that in this episode over the next five-part series that this episode is a part of. This is part one, actually. But I just want to get into a little bit of, you know, from Simon Sinek's viewpoint, why does Simon Sinek resonate so much with us and and the company here? There's this Inc.com interview that I'm always talking about. It's only 15 minutes and it's Simon Sinek talking about the infinite game. And when he talks about things like trusting teams, some of the things we're going to get into, I just kind of felt like this is what we're doing already. This is a definition for what we're already doing and how important employees are to our company. So that that's really what created the connection for me. And then when I brought it to the whole leadership team, I think we all agreed. And it wasn't even something where I said, we all need to do this. It was something where we all just connected and said, this just makes a lot of sense. And you referenced his book, The Infinite Game, which all of us on the leadership team and uh, other members of the company have have all read as well. A lot of us did it just on our own because we all like Simon Sinek's work. But as we went through and read The Infinite Game and, and the parts of what it means to be an infinite game running company versus a finite game, I guess let's start there. Let's take a little bit of Simon Sinek's uh, language here and define what an infinite company is or an infinite-minded company is versus a finite-minded company. How do you see it or how would you interpret that definition? Well, and it's, you know, Simon Sinek talks about it all the time that the in an infinite game, or actually let's go back to a, a finite game, right. right? He always talks about the fact that let's look at football, baseball. He uses a sports analogy for it that you you have known players, you have known rules, you know that in football at the end of 60 minutes, whoever has the most number of points wins the game. Um, there are There's a beginning and end to it. That's very finite. And I think the problem has been that businesses have said, we're going to operate in a, a finite way. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But in an infinite game, you infinite game is like what we live in life, right? Yeah. He talks about the fact that, you know, you can't be the winner of relationship, right? <laughs> I'm not going to come to you and say, You're "Hi, not I got have a good award. relationship." If you did, <laughs> I, I, and I've got, I, we all have great relationships with our partners and stuff. But you know, I, I, I'm not going to get a Time Magazine award for having the best relationship, right? That is an a, an infinite game. It it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. You know, there are no rules to it. So there are are so many examples of infinite games and uh, business is one of them. And so I think the difference between those two is once you get that connection and you realize that, all of a sudden you're starting to say things like, why do we measure ourselves on a 90-day cycle to see how well we've done? That's just saying basically we're trying to play a finite game in an infinite world. I I love the language that he uses that you know, the point of an infinite game is just to keep the game going. Right. I always go out to, you know, when you were kids and you were playing, you know, out in the street with your friends, you just wanted to keep that game going for right. as long. It doesn't, didn't matter who won. You weren't trying to like, obviously you were scoring points, but it was all about, hey, you'd pick that game up the next night. Right. With your friends. Yeah. And that, 
not a lot of businesses see the work that we do that way right. in that way. We've talked a lot about being a bootstrapped company um, and the fact that you know you you took on initial investment from your brothers mm-hmm. and and from there we've been I love everyone loves when I say we we're customer funded. Right. <laughs> right. I want to ask, does does being bootstrapped make it easier in your mind for us to operate in an infinite mindset? Wow. I mean, that's a great question. I think that it kind of gets to like, if you take on a lot of venture capital and stuff, you might be saying, okay, can I actually play in the infinite game? And it just comes down to the mindset of the leadership team. It comes down to what you're actually going to do. There's actually great examples. One I always use is the early days of Walmart. In the early days of Walmart, Sam Walton was so focused on the benefits and the to, to benefit his employees because he always said, if I take care of my employees, I take care that they're going to take care of me and the company. Great philosophy. He wasn't worried about it. Another one was Costco, and I know that sounds like the both same category, <laughs> but the, the leaders of Costco really believe that if you take care of the employees and you actually take care of the company and live in a long cycle and kind of the, the infinite game where you're really focused on what's going to happen, not in 90 days, but what's going to happen five and 10 years down the road, it has such a significant impact. So I kind of feel like mm, it helps that we're bootstrapped, but I wouldn't say that it's completely changed our philosophy, even if we, if, you know, and maybe someday we, we need to bring in capital, right? right? And we may not be bootstrapped. I am not changing the philosophy. We are not changing the philosophy of this company. We're still going to be living with an infinite mindset. Absolutely. Now, before we're going to get into what makes up an infinite game based on Simon Sinek's definitions, then we're going to get into uh, one of those, which is our just cause. Mm -hmm. And we're then going to take that a next step further and talk about employee supremacy versus shareholder supremacy, something that you are really championing. Uh, that's going to take place throughout the rest of this episode and the other four parts of this series for the listeners who are, are listening to this as episode one of this five-part series. But I would love, before we get into the definitions or the characteristics of of an infinite-minded company, what you were just saying resonated so much with me because I just saw on LinkedIn, and I want to get your opinion on this, I just saw a, a VC post on LinkedIn, something to the effect of, and I'm going to paraphrase, Layoffs are part of the VC culture um, that if you go into and and are are hired by a VC-backed company, just expect that five years down the road or, and this was a huge caveat, or if the company's not meeting expectations, layoffs are just going to happen. Deal with it. Just know that's what you're getting into. Now, Andy, for me, the, the thought running through my mind was, is there no expectation placed on the VC to manage their expectations. <laughs> right. But I'd love your opinion because I, I that just I was like, whoa, you are placing a whole lot of blame on the employee right there. Yeah, that's true. And it, I, I don't want to bash VCs, right? And, and neither I do I. Or, or you know, <laughs> any type of investors, private equity, all yeah. of it, right? There's different, you know, you can go from one extreme to the other. Absolutely. But I have to say, one of the things, and we're going to talk about the five elements, but there's something called trusting teams that are part of the infinite game. How do you have trusting teams when you're living in an environment that if the company doesn't do well, I, like, I might lose my job? Now, what you have to remember as an employee, it might seem easy to say layoffs are layoffs. That's just what you do. 
But when you lay somebody off, there's a family back there. There are kids behind that person who, who is making the salary or, or is being paid. And how is it that person can say, I really trust this company I work with? Because if the leadership team makes a few decisions that are in the benefit of the shareholders, again, I'm, I'm a huge shareholder mm -hmm, here, right. that are in the benefit of the shareholders, those decisions are going to impact me and I might not be able to make my mortgage. I might not be able to make my car payment. I might not be able to keep my kid in the school that they're in and they're in the preschool or whatever. It has tremendous impact. So how is it you build a company? where those employees are sitting in front of your customers saying, I love this company. It's great. <laughs> At some point, I might lose my job just because of the decisions that are being made because it's all about growth. And that's that's where I have a, real, a really big problem with it. And treating, treating the entirety of employees as uh, a line item. Correct. An item on the balance sheet. Yeah. You know, it's an item that you say, okay, we need to re reduce that portion of the balance sheet. And it's seen at a very high level, especially if you have lots of employees. You know, it's just what we do, part of business, mm -hmm. just what, what you saw in that LinkedIn post. And it, 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 it's, a, it's not a way to look at it, right? I look at the fact that our employees and all employers and all leadership teams should look at their employees as somebody who is sacrificing part of their lives to work for your company. They are an asset. Yeah. But they're the best, biggest asset that the company has. That's where that's really, and I guess you know when you asked about why was there's connection with you know the infinite game and stuff. As I'm hearing all these things, and you contrast it against that LinkedIn post, and I say, what is going on? You know, we can do differently. Does this mean we can't grow? Does this mean we can't be successful? Absolutely not. I don't believe that. In fact, I believe companies can be more successful if they focus. On the employees and what their needs are, you're you're kind of wetting our appetite for employee <laughs> supremacy here, Andy. But we're we're gonna hold off. If you want to listen to more and go in depth, you got to listen to the other uh, four parts of this series. But let's get into the 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 characteristics, the makeup of an infinite company. We talked about the finite companies. They are, you know, ninety day life cycles of goals and expectations. They're they're trying to win in business. What are those characteristics as defined by Simon Sinek in The Infinite Game that that really, and then we'll piece out, like I said, the just cause part of this, and I'll give that away. You've already said trusting teams. Right. Trusting teams, my goodness, I, I feel like we here at the receptionists uh, are kind of the epitome of that. It, we, we work and focus so much on trusting teams. Uh, but what are the other elements, Andy? Well, let's start at the top because he puts them in these orders <clears throat> or in this order, I should say. Just cause, and the just cause we're going to get into a little yeah. bit. And it's actually, I want to, I'm going to say that in the beginning, but get to it at the end because it's a really important one. Mm -hmm. Trusting teams, you talked about it. Trusting teams are all about the employees trust the company. They trust each other. They trust themselves. And I think that is so important that you have that because we've seen some really <laughs> cool benefits that have come out of that. People doing amazing things because they're not looking over their shoulder saying, when am I going to lose my job? Because the leadership team is, is getting out in front of its skis in terms of how much money they're spent. And, and one other point to that, I mean, it's right back here for the folks right. watching. It's respectful. I love that the element of respectful is assume positive intent. Right. Because that goes right into trusting teams. If you don't, if you don't trust the person 
across from you or the per in that meeting or you know the person next to you that you're working to i mean i know we're not working next to people nearly as much as we used to <laughs> right. physically but then it's really hard to assume that that thing they say were, or perhaps where they disagree with you it's really hard to take that as they want what's best for me right rather than they're out to get it's so true. Assume positive <laughs> intent is such an important part. And it Love goes to the trusting part. team, yeah, right? Exactly. You've got to believe that if you're saying things, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, I'm assuming that you're saying this with a positive intent. Yeah. It's a game changer. That mm -hmm. I think has been a game changer. But if there's not a culture of trust among it, the assume positive intent is almost impossible. It, so. it really is. And we've talked about career trauma here right. <laughs> a lot on this podcast. And that's the missing element almost 100% of the time. And I got to say something about that because there are so <laughs> many people who come to the company with job trauma. They've been in those other companies that have made decisions as leadership teams that are focused on the shareholders. And then they come here and they kind of hear, hey, you guys seem to be doing something <laughs> good, but they're like, I don't know if I can trust it. And it, it's getting over that job trauma. Trauma is something that is hard to get over. It takes well to trust and become part of a trusting team. Now, something that's been hard for me to get over is calling our competition rivals yep. rather than the competition, but because it's so business jargony, but worthy rivals is next. So worthy rivals, I think is, okay, I am the CEO of a company. I've been an entrepreneur for like 25 years. And one of the things is that it's always sort of freaked me out what the competition is doing. You know, I remember when I, I bought this company in, in 2015, shortly after, one of our biggest rivals got a huge amount of investment. Mm -hmm. I remember walking out of the office and saying, oh man, our world is over. Well, the thing about worthy rivals as opposed to competitors is worthy rivals are basically a reflection of the things that you need to improve on. So if you look at your rival and you say, wow, that's really good what they're doing. I'm impressed with it. You're, you're kind of changing the perception you have about your competitors and you're seeing it as, I can actually, uh, we can do better. This is a, a place we might want to do better. Not as, oh my, oh man, we're going to get crushed by our competition, which is debilitating. It's hard to make a decision in, in those environments. So huge game tra changer is calling them, you know, worthy rivals. Um, the other one is existential flexibility. That is the ability to be able to say that I am willing to change that we're not just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And we're just, we're going to look at it and say, is this the best way to do it? And having that flexibility to kind of get out of your comfort zone and be able to say, we are going to do it differently. And then finally, courage to lead. Courage to lead, I think, comes mostly at the leadership level, the way I interpret it as well. Um, we're doing some things that putting existential flexibility and courage to lead together mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're going to announce it pretty soon what yeah. we're doing, but we're, we're making, we're, we're taking some courageous steps in terms of what we're doing. We're not just saying, hey, we're successful at what we're doing and just kind of getting stuck in that. We are having the courage to lead and it happens throughout the company, you know, and it means even somebody who might be an individual contributor, they, they have the courage to go out there and take the chance. So then looping back to the top, yep. the just cause. We've been building up to it, but I want to get into what our just cause is, mm -hmm. why the just cause is important, and, and again, the elements of a just cause, and how it's different from a why. Because again, to use Simon Sinek's word, words or phrases, his books start with why, his TEDx talks start with why. Uh, I don't think that's actually what it was called, but it's what everybody remembers it by, right? right. Um, 
so many people know him and use that language, but then the just cause, I feel like, mm, gives it that that next level of oomph, right? Right. right. So um, I'll read off the just cause characteristics, right? And then I want you to get into okay. what our just cause are. So the just cause characteristics are: it's got to be for something. You've got to actually put your stake in the ground and saying this is what we are for. It's got to be inclusive, in and you can take inclusive. In a lot of different directions, but I think it encompasses all of them. It's right. inclusive of inclusivity, right? Uh, everyone in the company has has to have a role and a part to play there. Service oriented, I love that aspect of it. Um, we do a lot here at the receptionist to pour into our community and be of service to our community. So that's an aspect. It needs to be resil resilient. And here's the big part that speaks to our our core values of fabric and the B in bold, it's got to be idealistic. It has to be ultimately unachievable, maybe even forever, right. but progress is better than perfection yep. to use that phrase. So those are the characteristics of a just cause. So Andy, let's get into our why and our just cause, how they're different. Let's start. Well, well first off, do you have any thoughts on on those characteristics before we jump into the why and the just cause? <laughs> the one that I, I talk about it all the time, ultimately unachievable. We are not going to be able to achieve our just cause in our lifetime. Yeah. I don't think. I don't know, as you said, if it ever, it's almost like a finite game. We're never going to run to the top of the hill and say, we got this done, right? Because it is actually something, and we'll go into it specifically, but it is something that is ultimately unachievable. And I like that. Yeah. I like the fact that it is inclusive. It is service-oriented. Inclusive is important because I believe that every member of this team feels it in their bone in terms of what we're trying to do. We're not just trying to be a great visitor management system. We're actually going for something that is really big. And there's, there's something I've got to say, because in terms of the just cause, when I heard the Simon Sinek interview on Inc.com that I've referenced before, I'm like, yeah, we're doing great. We got trusting teams. I understand worthy rivals and existential flexibility, and we're, we have the courage to lead. But I was like, you know what we don't have? We don't have a just cause, mm -hmm. which... I, bugged me. I've always been like, <laughs> you know, I've had people say, well, why are you doing this? I, 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 we're going to be rich or, or we're going to, you know, um, uh, we're going to be the best visitor management company. They always just sounded empty. Mm -hmm. And since we adopted a just cause, it has really changed things. And so I, that, I just wanted to talk about that. So yeah, should I go into the, Let's you know, yeah. our why and our, so one of the things about and, and Michael, it's actually you who explained this to me. I remember we're <laughs> sitting in a leadership team meeting, and I'm trying to des describe what the difference is between a why and a just cause. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm or, good. Yeah, let's share this. <laughs> okay, okay. So what 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 you told me was the why is what pulls us from behind, kind of. It's it's what it's it's what actually drives us as the, as people. And so we did this cool thing. You know, five of us got together as a leadership team and we all spent time saying what are our own personal was. And then we brought that over to the uh, the the company. We said, okay, what is our combined why from the company? And it was like, I remember it was like a dead silence in our room <laughs> when we kind of came up with our why that was connected to all our personal whys. And we're just like, whoa, that just came together. Mm -hmm. So it's to build a company that operates with compassion, lives with integrity and fosters strong human connections. I was like, man, 
that was really good. That's what's pulling them from us from behind us. We want to make sure we have that. As the sum total of our, our experiences as, a, as people, individuals, as a leadership team, and ultimately as a company. Right. Yeah. And we were lucky that we came together with this group of people who were all aligned, yeah. you know, uh, behind that. But I, and I think that also goes to our, our, our values and how we operate the company. But then it came up with our just cause. And I want to, I want everybody to think to themselves the fact that this is ultimately unachievable, yeah. right? Yeah. It starts out with to build a world, to build a world where a company's profits fuel the mission to be in service to its employees and the community. And I always like to repeat that because it really, you almost need to digest it a little bit, mm -hmm. but to build a world where a company's profits fuel the mission to be in service to its employees and the community. That's a, that's a pretty big deal when you actually look at it. It's not just, hey, let's, let's be a successful company. Let's, let's be the number one visitor management system. This is about actually building a world, a different world. And so that, that is the thing we brought to the rest of the team. Yeah. And, and I will just say there was some, there was some, at least a little bit of not apprehension, I will say, but just some questioning of like, Hey, can we do that? I know. Yeah. Yeah. A little <laughs> like, bit like, are you serious? We're a business system company. Can we do that? And right. we, to the, to the idealistic characteristic of, a, of the infinite game, maybe not, but we're going to try yeah. really, yeah. really hard. And to go back to something you said earlier, Andy, that kind of brings this full circle, you know, being in service to employees and the community, you were just talking uh, really from the onset of when you fire and lay off a bunch of employees, how does that affect not only that individual employee, but their families and the schools that they're in, the communities that they're in? How are they able to show up in their their spaces as people and the things that they care about? That That is a branch out when you're thinking that next level deep. You make very different decisions, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're really thinking about the consequences of the things you do. So let's say, for instance, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're bootstrapped. That is one place where there you really can't get out over in front of your skis. You know, what I mean is like spending beyond what you actually have. We, are, we have uh, done very well in uh, acquiring cash through the business and everything. But even through the pandemic, you know, we were able to keep every one of our employees. We were able to increase benefits. Almost every one of our rivals, I'm sad to say, had to lay off employees. Yeah. So that affects the community they're in. They probably had to get rid of some of the, a lot of their contractors as well. That's why we talk about the community. The community is not only you know, your contractors and your vendors and the, the people who rely on your business to give them business. But it's also even who, you know, we even uh, donate to organizations that are in our communities, even, even in the communities of some of our remote employees, right? We get over our skis and we can't do that. And all of a sudden you have an impact on the community as well. It breaks down. So it is so important to include the community as well as uh, the employees in that statement. Well, Andy, as we begin to put a bow on this episode and discovering our bold just cause, uh, the, the last thing that I want you to kind of touch on, and then we'll get into it in the other episodes of this series, is our just cause includes the, the phrase, build a world where a company's profits mm -hmm. fuel the mission. We have to be profitable. We have to be successful. 
this is not a, hey, let's all stand out in a meadow and sing Kumbaya. And, and, you know, we are still in the business of being in business. So final thoughts on that, how it fits into the just cause and set us up for what is ultimately to come when we talk about employee supremacy. Well, this is the cool. Okay. This brings it all home. Okay. (laughs) Because one of the things about this just cause is that a lot of people will look at it and say, it sounds like it's an altruistic kind of thing. It's some sort of socialist movement. You're going to be, you know, great to your employees and that's so fun, but you know, have fun over there, right? (laughs) How are we going to build a world unless we grow, right? Because we have to be the models we, I want people to look at our company and we are going to grow the company using this philosophy. And they say, look at what the receptionist did. And they did it without having to have kind of that icky feeling of like, oh, the employees are just pawns and the community are just pawns in this game of growth and profit. I am the largest shareholder in this company, right? And so as the largest shareholder in the company, I want to see the value of my shares grow. I'm a capitalist. I say it every time. So we have to grow. And so we have to grow so that the value of my shares grow, but we're not going to do it the same way that it's been done all the time. We're going to do it in a different way. And that is how we're going to succeed. So when somebody says to me, you know, what are you out there to do? I can say, I want to see us achieve our just cause as best we can because then we're going to grow and we're going to show that our shareholder value increases, our customers are happier, our employees are happier, and the company grows overall. That's what I want to see. And that's what we're going to have to do. And I, I always tell everybody, watch our journey because you know if we succeed, you'll see the difference. And we're going to document it all here on the Fabric Podcast. So thanks so much for listening, Andy. I'm so excited to, to see where this conversation takes us because we went to some places I didn't even expect today. So Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back soon. Be on the lookout for the second part of this series where we really dive into employee supremacy versus shareholder supremacy. So thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Great job, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Fabric Podcast. If you want to see a video version of the show, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash fabric where you can watch video episodes of all of the content that we've put out on this podcast. You can see our bright, smiling faces, and you can see what our studio looks like as well. If you would like to give the Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and sign up for a free trial. No credit card required. And give us a try. See what you think. Until next time, take care. <laughs>